Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have you had the clap? Have you had the clap? <laughs> I have. Bitch, what STI have I not had? I've had, I have, I've had crabs, syphilis, gonorrhea. I've only had crabs. Chlamydia. Crabs were maybe the worst. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest written a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, Ugh. identity, hey. culture, <laughs> what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought. Joe wrote this, by the way. Roses are red, violets are blue, bottoms are goddesses, and tops fuck you. I couldn't take, <laughs> I couldn't take ownership of that. And I couldn't think of anything to replace it with, so I just went ahead and did what Joe said. I, I love listen, it. I love it. It's a, it's a poem. I thought you were a poet, Steve. I used to be a poet, not anymore. <laughs> Left that life behind. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. I'm Indigenous American poet, podcaster, screenwriter, TV writer. And I'm a virgin, again, because of how long it's been since I've had sex. I've officially re-virginized, yes. Your, your brioche suisse is just closed right up. We didn't have to say that. <laughs> I I hate brioche sweets so much. It's bringing and, uh, dense spirit. I always have to Google it. Every single time I have to Google what a brioche sweet actually looks like, the pastry itself, but I can't separate it. It's from not dense. even an attractive pastry. When you go into the no, French patisserie, not. it's like the, the least interesting looking thing. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and not to further engage in the discourse, but just this morning I was followed on Twitter by Don Dorland, the kidney person. Iconic. Yeah. She, I, it was How funny. did that happen? I don't know. So I, I was, I participated in some of the discourse like two weeks ago when all this happened. And every once in a while, out of somewhere, someone will like retweet one of the tweets and then it'll get a lot of like more comments and engagement. And she must have like been pulled. I also saw the, there was a, a pig to human um, kidney transplant um, this week. And I, I tweeted that someone has to reach out to Don Darwin for kidney comments. And so she might have been name searching herself. I don't know. But she found me. She follows me. I don't know what to do about it. Wow. That's really weird. Yeah. Um, I'm Alexandra De Palma. I'm a podcast producer, a cat mom. And I had my first edible in two years last night. And it was what? fucking, yeah. I mean, well, let's not say two years, but since the beginning of COVID. I haven't had an edible since the beginning of COVID. Who and are you? What have you done with I, Alex? This is like a body I've just been smoking. I've just been doing. Tra- I've oh just been traditional God. smoking. I've just like kind of opted out of edibles, but it was like it was really intense. It was it was kind of too intense. Were I was, you? I was spiraling. Were you afraid that you would have like a bad trip? Well, I was having a bad trip because you guys will remember because I'm here in Mexico City now, where 
there are earthquakes. And of course, right when the edible hit, I thought that an earthquake was happening last night. So I was like, fuck, like the earthquake (laughs) is here. And then all this, it was like the classic spiral of like you sitting there, just sitting there in complete silence, being like, everything about my life is terrible. I'm a fraud. Nobody loves me. Like it was the (laughs) the most classic quintessential spiral. So that's just me sober. That's me every day of the week. (laughs) That's you. That's why I don't, I don't smoke because weed always does that to me. Yeah. 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 I think I just have to get back in the group. I was practicing for tomorrow night when I'm going to Dune in the theaters. And so I wanted to like get the edible dosage right. I'm glad I did it ahead of time because you guys know I had the panic attack and annihilation and almost called the police on myself. <laughs> um, so just, just, I'm telephoning all the police. <laughs> well, more like an ambulance. Whatever it was going to be, it was going to be something to like take me away. Oh my but, God. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds that sounds fine. That's, um, it could be worse. Once again, Thoughties, I just wanted to tell you that we're uh, scattered. The, the the group is scattered. We're uh, in between coasts and countries. But we still wanted to check in with y'all and bring you a mailbag episode, a.k.a. Penny for your thoughts, and and, and really get to hear it in your voices. Correct, yes. Alex? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've gotten like, I think, 50 or more yeah. questions so far from our Thoughties, which is amazing, and all of them are so excellent. It's been so hard. I actually shared the password with Joe so that he could help me source the questions because they're all so good and they're all so thoughtful. And it's so good to hear everyone's voice. So thank you for submitting and please submit more because we're hoping to do more of these with all the thoughts and not just me. (laughs) Yeah. So on the menu this week, like Team said, we're doing another trash advice segment. To start in our amuse bouche, we find out who gives and who takes. And we end by watching a murder. Mm. Take it away. Buck, 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 be guck. I think it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should, with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our booshes, Joe has a shitty game. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. All right. So everyone knows that here at Trader Joe's Nabisco Food for Thought LLC Incorporated TM, we believe that reductionist identities like top and bottom are too narrow to fit any human sexuality, and that we should all experiment and explore and not define ourselves by our sex acts. But also, tops are stupid and labels are hilarious. So <laughs> in this game, as you know, we give classic pairs and decide who is the top and who is the bottom. And this might, you know, spooky season. We're coming to ooky. Okay. I have to do Fran. Ookie spooky. So the majority of these are ooky spooky themed bottoms up game. Ready to go? Sure. Ready. What could possibly I- go wrong? <laughs> Ghosts and zombies. Zombies. Who's the top? Who's the bottom between Gombies and zombies. Gombies. No, also, I'm not letting I'm you get away broken. with that one. I'm, I'm not letting you get broken. away with that one. Uh, I mean, ghosts are the ultimate bottoms. Like they're so they're like things pass. They have no effect on their surroundings. I don't know. Like they're transparent yeah. as fuck. Zombies are way more like aggro, which is a top thing. So I think I would say zombies are the top. Ghosts are the bottom. I can sure. I can see zombies as a bossy bottom. Hmm. Yeah, I could see it. I but could I see think it. Right. I think you're right. In this pairing, I think zombies are definitely the top. All right, this one's yeah. not spooky, but I've just been loving all of their interactions. What about Timothée Chalamet and Zendaya? <sighs> I've been loving their interactions, too. They're so they look cute so together. They so fucking good on these red carpets. Yes, they look yes, amazing. Yes. Um, 
this is hard. I think Timothée is a bottom. Yes, 100%. And I think Zenday is the top of the pair. I, yeah. I I just want to watch that, to be honest with you. Me too. Like, I would, I would love to watch her top Timothée. I also yeah. think he's a very messy bottom. Like, I don't <laughs> think he times his BMs just right. So I think he gets, I think he makes a mess in the sheets. Oh, I could, but also, have you guys noticed? Okay, Kenya and I were just talking about this. There's something about Timothy Chalamet, like all kinds of straight men will gush about how hot Timothy Chalamet is. Like, it's like he is like kryptonite for like straight men. And I don't, I don't know whether that relates to him being a top or a bottom. It's just an It's like that episode of 30 Rock where one of the writers is gay for just one hot guy. <laughs> He's like, I'm not gay, but I love Just this for Timothy guy. Chalamet. I feel like everyone <laughs> yes. is gay for Timothy yes. Chalamet. Yes. And but he yeah. ends up like really exploring his sexuality. He ends by going to a gay club and like dancing with all these guys. And he's like, sorry, I wish I were, but I'm not gay. I'm just yeah. gay for Jamie. Anyway. Yeah. 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 And don't forget, though, he's very messy bottom. You know, those bottoms who <laughs> like, they just, it. they all, they constantly <laughs> give elf shoe, but they don't really care. They're, they're actually into scat, but they won't admit it. They just do it on purpose every time. And it's just like, or, or like he didn't get it all when he douched. And so like some of it comes out on Zendaya and she's just like, I fucking told you about this, Tim Mate. I told you about this shit. And he's like, sorry, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> I hate this narrative. I hate this I do too. I hate this narrative writing. and I want to be excluded from I'm it. A, Please. This, this discourse is, is going to stop right here and now. Okay, what is, who's the top, who's the bottom between trick and treat? Are these uh, house musicians? <laughs> who are they? Who's trick and treat? Like trick or treat, just yes. the words? Yes. <laughs> the words trick. <laughs> yes, the words trick and the words treat. I'm so dead. Um, okay. Alex is never going to let me write a game ever again. Um, I think I think trick is an insensitive top. Yes, I think 100%. trick likes to jackhammer. Okay. I think trick is only in it for trick. I don't think Trick thinks about Treat when Trick gets off. I True. think Trick is also a heavy comer. Like, <laughs> there is just so much semen in Trick. And you're like, where did this all come from? But I think Treat is 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 the sub-bottom who likes being just a hole, who likes being pounded until the other person comes and then being left as a puddle. And I think that is Treat's treat. With their underwear Listen. stuffed in their mouth. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> See, this is a discourse I'm happy to participate okay. in. Okay. They're a perfect <laughs> pair then. I mean, exactly. I like this narrative I do like. Yes. <laughs> they're, yes. they're a perfect yes. pair. Uh, Gomez and Morticia Adams. Oh, I was Morticia Adams once for Halloween when I was a child, and it was such a good costume. I loved it. I think, I think Morticia would be the top, and Gomez the bottom. I was gonna say I think Gomez is a very manicured bottom, the opposite, <laughs> the opposite mm-hmm. of Timothy. I the think, opposite. I think I think Gomez always has a squeaky clean hole. <laughs> just douches, douches yeah. like every evening, just in case it's going to happen. Gomez's entire uh, diet is pure for men. Yes, and and keeps his pubes like a French garden. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> manicured <laughs> within an inch of its life, mm-hmm. immaculate artifice. Yeah. It's not supposed to look mm-hmm. natural at all. It is pointing mm-hmm. to the artifice mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of nature. Yes, and mm-hmm. Morticia is like an English garden. She's manicured mm-hmm. to look wild. She is 100% manicured to look wild. I'm loving the nature poem discourse we're going and, through right well, now. Well, it's or also reminding me of Alexander Chi discourse of like rose gardens mm-hmm. and all of that. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone should read the New Yorker essay. It's also in his book, How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, Alexander Chi. It's such a good, such a good essay. Um, soups and stews. Okay, what is the difference between a, a stew is chunkier than a soup? That's uh-huh, the general mm-hmm, difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And thicker, I think. Okay. Heartier. Um, thicker and heartier. Like, like, I think a soup has a clear broth and a stew okay. doesn't. I'm okay. going to be controversial. Yes, please. <laughs> I think stew. I mean, stew is definitely the top and soup is definitely the bottom. <laughs> I think that stew, because stew is, I think stew is actually verse. Because part oh. of s- stew is a soup. Right, And so right, there right. is hey. a bottom, there's there's a, bottom okay. energy there. There okay. is soup in the stew. That is yeah. true. That is and true. And soup could be like femme toppy, you know, like it's like delicate, mm, but still. Mm. But it fills you up. It still fills you up. But it fills you up. This it is a verse. This is a verse on verse relationship, and okay. it's it's one that you can't tell from looking on the outside. You would yeah. you would have a certain expectation about the orientation of soup and stew and tops and bottoms, but you'd right. be wrong. They're both first queens. This yes. is the worst game we've ever yes. played. <laughs> yes. Yes. This makes I love no it. sense. This is literally no nonsense. sense. Yeah. I love it though. Okay, just we'll just two, do two more then. Okay. Top and bottom, Tim Burton and M. Night Shyamalan. I know, oh God. M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I, I want to say that M. Night Shyamalan is uh completely sexless. <laughs> and Tim Burton is all of the sex. Yeah. Okay. Top and bottom. Goth costumes and slutty costumes. Mm. What about slutty goth costumes? What would a slutty yeah, goth costume be? I feel like over. I feel like I feel like goth implies a certain amount of fabric. You know what I mean? Like drapey. It's I not think just, you just, it's not just eye makeup. It's not just eye makeup, people. It's it's like it's black lipstick and yeah. a pout. Yeah, it could be like a leather corset, something sexy. I mean, between the two, slut costume, goth costume. I think slut costume is the top. Mm, interesting. Goth Controversial. Costume is the bottom. Controversial. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, not um, bad. I used to be a goth for a period of a few months in sophomore year of high school. So <laughs> I think we've seen the photos. Months. Have we seen the photos? I feel like there was like a swoop hair. That was, that was more of my pop punk emo, emo phase. Oh, pop, yeah, emo, okay. yeah. That was okay. turn okay. of the that was that was turn of the two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. I love that moment. Early aughts rather. Um no, th- those photos do not exist any longer. <laughs> the goth photos Fuck. don't. Um let's see. I think that here's my controversial take. Mm-hmm. They're both sides. I think I think I think I think I think goth. I think slutty costume likes to front, like they're mm. in more way more into sex than they actually are. But really, mm. they just want it, like attention. They don't actually want to mm-hmm. go through with the act. They want to be perceived uh-huh. and wanted. Yes. And the goth, they actually are trying to disguise themselves as being people who don't want it, but actually really do. Yeah, I but, agree a hundred percent. But they yeah. both, neither one of them wants it in the ass. Mm, oh, they're fraudage Fratage. buddies. They're sides. Oh, got it. I got it. Yeah. I, under, I understand so yeah. clearly now. I agree okay. with everyone all the time. There's, <laughs> okay. only, there's only right answers today on Trader Joe Nabisco's Food for Thought LLC Incorporated TM's <laughs> Bottoms Up. Thank you, Hobag. 
All right, get out your coin purses, bitches. It's time for Penny for Your Thoughts. Our um, advice segment that you definitely should not take. This is infotainment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These aren't actually answers to real questions. I mean, the questions are real. We're just fake ass bitches. (laughs) Yeah, infotainment only. Hi, my name is Cleo, long time listener, first time caller. And so over the pandemic, I have decided to shift careers and become a dominatrix. And so I was just wanting to hear your quick 101 for butthole anal play with beginners because I am getting a lot of uh, supposedly straight male clients that want stuff up their butt. So tell me what to do, please. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you guys, girls, days, and gays. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's really just for wow. ho. I mean, I, know, I, teams, was, I was going just... to say, it's like, you, <laughs> although we learned last week that you swipe right on anal, Alex. Definitely. So. Good memory, ho. <laughs> <laughs> You know, here's what I'll say. In my snagging days, I did have a method because it was easier for me to – because the first person I dated in Brooklyn had an enormous penis. And I had to go – my first my first time ever going to the pleasure chest in in New York was because I had to get – maybe it was – Toys and babe, Babes in Toyland, Toys and Babes, whatever the other one is called. <laughs> uh, I had to get like a series of dildos to work mm-hmm. my way up to being able mm-hmm. to take him without feeling like Damn. I was going to tear myself open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And You're training. Yeah. They're called and, trainer and, plugs, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but like there in times when that wasn't available to me, I would do like finger to finger, like start off with one. Then mm-hmm. work in another, then work in a third. And then because, you know, you can you can loosen yourself up so it doesn't like, you know, it's not mm-hmm. a, you know, break my body situation. Mm-hmm. 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 I think okay, that's good advice. The number number one advice, high quality lube. Yes. Lots and lots of high quality lube. Um, I think, you know, in the context of um, a dominatrix sesh, um, it has a, an additional layer of um, of power dynamics and consent and all of these things that, like, honestly, none of us here can speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, I might I might send this person to uh, friend of the show Tina Horn's Twitter um, yeah, and podcast because place. Tina has experience um, with exactly this uh, with exactly this this thing. Um, I, you know, so we can just speak for um, you know. I've actually done BDSM butt stuff. Um, like being tied down and having a person, you know, sort of, uh, you know, being just a hole or what or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so I think there's it's like it's like um, th- there's a, there's a lot of trust involved. You know, the butt is something that you can hurt. Uh, it is it is a thing that if the person is afraid um, or is is feeling a little bit of pain or gets tight, that's actually when you can hurt your butt um there's a a, a, you know you want the person to be really really relaxed and like not be clenching those muscles um and so i think it's about it's also just a head game it's about getting the person to that place where they are relaxed and trusting 
Um, and then, you know, as much as you're putting on like a dom, I think it's, it's really the dom is the, is the sub in a way, like the person who's doing the, the, the butt stretching or, or, um, is, is the more dominant, uh, the apparent dominant person in the scene. Um, I think actually that person has to be incredibly attuned to, um, the actual desires of the apparent submissive partner. Um, especially if it's a new thing for that person and they don't really know their limits. It's like, you have to be like, I'm going to do whatever I want to you. But then actually what you're doing is like a, a deep and lovely caress. And um, Tina has an essay about that. Um, I believe it's in the rumpus. We can put it in the show notes. It's about um, the irony of Dom sub uh, play, where it's actually the submissive person who seems to be not in control, who very much is in control of everything that's happening to them. Um, so those are some things I keep in mind. Yeah, Teebs is absolutely right. You you don't want to start someone who's never done butt stuff on something real big, even if they if they want it, you know, if they can get there in the first session. But they you know, you might want to make sure they can take something small uh, before you get out the the monster or try to use the whole fist. So um, <laughs> lots of lube, y'all. Lots of lube. Also snaps to you for um, switching up professions. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Hi, thoughts. Thank you for doing this. Uh I am a cis gay man married to another cis gay man, and we're not having a lot of sex. We've been married for six-ish years, and um, I'm kind of sad about it. What do you got to say? Thank you. Mm. Mm. I love this caller. I love this caller. Um, I will just start by saying, caller, you are not alone. (laughs) You are not alone, honey. Um, I don't like that's the thing. I I kind of picked this question because I want to like talk it through. Joe and I have Joe and I are the ones in relationships here. Yeah, happily single. Um, Happily, but yeah, we know happily. We know happily, and I think this has been something that like my relationship is pretty similar to the callers. Around five years, I've been with my partner, and I think Mm -hmm. there have definitely been like ebbs and flows of the For sexual sure. activity, you know? And so I think, um, Joe, Joe, you and I have talked about this, especially recently, mm-hmm. like during COVID, mm-hmm. medical things have been happening mm-hmm. with our partners. Literally um, no one's leaving just, the house. No one's leaving the house. So you're around house, the person think, all the time. Yeah, like sex drives are lower. Um, I think this is something, and I've had conversations with other people other than you, Joe. I think like it's it's very common. And I would love, Joe, to hear if you have any advice. I mean, ironically enough, Joe and I had talked about this on our live tour in mm. um, January of 2020. That's and right. like I, oh I basically... God took the place of the caller in this in this situation and yeah. I was like what do you think and essentially in January of 2020 my partner and I have, have always had an open relationship but like in that moment I was like my solution to this is going to be to like really open up the relationship and like go seek sexual pleasure sex elsewhere you know mm-hmm. what I mean like you know ethically of course then COVID happened and like that <laughs> you know what I mean down. like what the fuck like no <laughs> So um, what do you got to say? So I may or may not be a serial monogamist. Um, mm-hmm. I've had no relationship over five years, but several relationships in the, you know, over two or three years. Um, I've lived with two partners so far and I've never had this problem. I tend to like my sex drive tends to go up as I'm with someone more and more time. And even living with the person um, doesn't really alter sort of my desire for sex with them. And I usually am mostly wanting sex with my partner. So I've had a monogamous relationships before where we occasionally allow each other an outside hookup or um, enjoy a threesome or a group situation. 
And that has always very much satiated my like desire for novelty or outside things. And it's something that I quite like sharing um, with partners. So that's one thing I would say mm-hmm. is, um, you know, I think it can be really hard when you're not having a huge amount of sex or you don't feel sexually satisfied inside the relationship. That's not always the place where I'm telling, I tell people to start exploring threesomes and sex parties with your partner outside. Cause it can feel mm-hmm. like, well, it feels like a fix or like a substitute as opposed to like, we have a healthy base and we're also exploring. Uh, but I think, you know, there's a people have different libidos. And if you're together for a long time, you might hit a, you know, libidos, as Alex said, go up and down. You might hit Mm -hmm. a point where one person's libido is really high and the other person's libido is really low. And I think it is healthy and fine to talk about solutions for that. And solutions Mm -hmm. for that can be everything from, well, I think you have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it. You can acknowledge it and just hold it. Be like, it's not going to be like this forever. And yeah, yeah, I'm like sad about it, but um, I don't want to open up or it can go all the way to like, opening up to to sexual or romantic encounters elsewhere. I know Alex and I, um, you know, are a bit different when we talked about this, like Alex feels like in order to have sex with someone, you'd want like a date or like a a more, like a more familial or comfortable. And I think that might be hard for a lot of partners to accept. A lot of partners might, it might be easier if you just like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am in and out. Um, And that, you know, I would... I feel fine having that type of sex. (laughs) So it all really comes down to the particularities of your relationship. But I'm worried with this color that it seems like it might not even be acknowledged in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of what what I got from it. And, And so how would you broach the topic? Well, I have. And actually, when we're talking about the ebbing and flowing, it is like Joe said, like natural libido stuff and like so situational as well. Whatever the fuck is going on with life. Um, but the times that it has been good is when my partner and I have had a conversation, you know what I mean? Like, and it, in terms of how you broach it, trust me, it like the first time this conversation came up, I was like, you know, rehearsing and being like, what should I say? And all this. And then it's eventually kind of just like, look, like we're not having a lot of sex. Let's, let's talk about this. Like, let's acknowledge this. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a secret. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's exactly the thing. Both people know it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, exactly. it's not a secret. So it's like yeah. it feels like something that's really afraid to t- that you're really afraid to talk about. But right. you both know it. You know, mm-hmm. you both know mm-hmm. it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's that was super. No, I'm so glad me, you yeah. added that. And then like the thing is, so I think in my experience, like after the conversation, there have been time, like months or whatever, whatever the time span is where things improve and there's like an active effort on everyone's parts. Like, let's let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, let's improve this area of our relationship. And I will also say, like, it's not necessarily just one time that you have to have the conversation. You know what I mean? It's like an ongoing conversation. And so I think you're right, Teeves. I think it sounds like this person probably hasn't discussed it yet. And so that would be, I think that's the first step for sure. A hundred percent the place to start. And I wouldn't even come to it with solutions until you've had the conversation about what both of our experience is in this moment and maybe, and maybe why. Um, And then, you know, just, just make it about make as Teeves always says, make it about curiosity. I like, like that. Can you be curious about what might be going on in your partner? And can you also be curious about what is going on in yourself? And if you say you feel sad about this, um, what, you know, what is the source of, of that sadness? And and getting on the same page, I think, within a, a, a partnership of this many years is absolutely the first step before you think about solutions. And then solutions can be whatever works for both people. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it's hard. I mean, I, 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 I can't say what this caller is going through, but I imagine... Um, broaching the topic is hard because it's like one of the, I think the answer that you don't want to hear and maybe one that you suspect is like, 
I just don't want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. and that, and I don't think that's the case, but it's just like, I, that's what I would be afraid of. Like that's cause I, I, I always assume that I'm at fault and it's like, okay, so right. you don't yep. want to fuck me anymore. And that's why we're not having sex <laughs> when it's like, you know, it could be like a stress thing. It could be a depression yep. thing. It could be, you know, like there's so many reasons why um, yeah. people stop fucking and it's not necessarily, you know, sometimes it's just like, you know, like, I was kind of the bottom and I kind of want to be the top, you know? Yeah. 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 I love what you said, Joe, about not, because actually when the first time I had this conversation, like I felt really guilty for coming to it without solutions. And that's kind of what held me up from having it. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, well, I'm just going to bring this up and then not offer any fucking solutions. You know what I mean? And it's, it, it, it is much better in the end not to let that stop you from bringing it up and just to make it a conversation. Yeah, you start, know? start um, there. It doesn't, it doesn't, mm-hmm. you don't even know what the issue is until you've talked to your partner. Yeah. Exactly. You don't, you know what your exactly. issue is, but you don't know right. what their issue is and you don't know what the, the space between you is going to say. Right. And I think you're totally right. The last thing I'll say is really the caller. I love this caller. I just loved it. Sounded like he was at like a bar and was totally like, I need bar. to get this in. I yes. need to get this question in. But like also, and you alluded to it, I think Joe, basically being honest with yourself first before yep. even having the conversation, like maybe in reality, the caller doesn't want to fuck his partner either. You know Ooh. what I mean? Like maybe it's like, I'm not attra- like, are you attracted to your partner? Is it the fact that your partner mm. is not like sexually attracted to you? Like what, mm. basically what's going on with you first? Mm-hmm. And then like being really clear about that, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Hi, I just um, started seeing someone. It's pretty early on. Um, and they actually, confided in me that they have a certain um, hard drug um, substance abuse problem, quote-unquote addiction. Um, They actually hold a pretty, um, I guess, high-powered career position, and they're functioning. Um, So I'm not really quite sure how to go about it. Do you just kind of cut the person off or do you give him another chance and see where it goes? Um, really in the blind here. So any help is appreciated. Thanks. I feel like, I feel like I think of this in terms of red flags and green flags. Mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely think that this person's ability and willingness to be open with you is a mm-hmm. green flag. Um, and, you know, substance use um, certainly for me isn't a red flag. Um, substance, you know, if someone um, self-identifies as an addict, um, that's still not necessarily a red flag. A lot of addicts are in recovery. Um, and I that that wouldn't be an issue for me in terms of in terms of dating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds like this person is still struggling the the person the high powered person this person's dating and I actually have a good friend um, who was dating a person uh, in the medical fields um, a, a very high powered person a person who was doing surgeries a surgeon wow. um, who had a really bad meth addiction that he actually hid from my my friend knew he was a meth user but I don't think mm. he knew the extent of it and it and it spilled over to the point of um, this person essentially being forced to take a leave of absence from their career and disappearing mm-hmm. for days on end. Um, and that wasn't my, my, my friend wasn't able to 
to hold space for that in a relationship yeah. and someone who's yeah. going to disappear for three days um, and and someone who um, may have risky sex behaviors that my friend um, either didn't know about or didn't didn't want um, as part of his mm-hmm. relationship. But I, you know, I, I think for me, there's no there's no hard set rule here. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely not for me wouldn't be a deal breaker. It, it would really depend on how the person is is treating you. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. And this is where I'm saying this is infotainment. Do not take our suggestions. I'm just saying like (laughs) me in this situation, because it's so new, you haven't been able to see if this person's patterns are escalating. Because I think that you can, like they said, I am an addict and they're still using and they're functioning. But I only think that can last so long. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, it's just tricky because it's like part of me hears this and it's like, you know, you it's early on, like you said, Teebs, and so you haven't had time to really get attached. So it is a point where it's like, if this is a red flag for you, I agree with Joe. To me, this is not a red flag, and especially because they're honest with you and they took the time early on in the relationship. And I'm sure this person has had that conversation with themselves. Like, when is it the right time to like tell the person I'm dating that I'm a drug addict? Like, is it date one? Is it date three? You know what I mean? That conversation with themselves. And I think it seems like I'm inferring a little bit here, but it seems like this person who confided in you this thing, like that maybe they want you to help them. You know, right. and like they they are telling you because it's like if we're going to get into this relationship, like I'm going to need support in this respect. And so if that's something that you're open to doing and that like is something that you're you're fine with, then, you know, then it shouldn't be a red flag. But it's but taking I, on a lot of fucking responsibility. That's, that's a, I think it's and, taking on a lot of responsibility. And for and for Pisces with um, anxious attachment styles like me. Yeah. Um, we feel very secure when we feel like we're saving someone. And so mm. I would just I would just watch out for that feeling in yourself, um, mm-hmm. that feeling of like uh, this person needs me and therefore they won't leave me. And therefore, like they they might not even view themselves as worthy of a partnership or a relationship. And therefore, I'm more secure mm-hmm. in my relationship to them. Um, and that is, you know. That is a good thing to know about yourself. That's something mm-hmm. to, I would say to watch out for in your feelings. Be very self-aware about if that is an issue for you like it is for me. This person felt just in the tone of their voice very emotionally um, thoughtful, but also like emotionally yeah. involved already. Um, yeah. And doesn't want to leave uh, this person in the relationship behind. And, right. and I, I would just watch that tendency, the the, the Captain Save-A-Ho complex, <laughs> which, um, which has done me a lot of harm. In relationships, yeah. uh, because you can't change a person. You can be with a person while they change, um, but you you are not going to be a catalyst for that change in all likelihood. Uh, I, so I've, al- I've also just kind of like being the son of an addict and seeing that behavior and seeing mm-hmm. how the person is and knowing in, and and knowing a lot about like the recovery process and how. For example, like a person in recovery shouldn't be dating or they say they shouldn't be dating during the first year of their recovery. Like they're starting something at a time where, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting to to talk about what you can expect and not expect from an addict, an addict who is actively using and Mm -hmm. that that drugs take an interesting priority in an addict's life over Mm. everything else that's what makes it an addiction 
Mm. Yeah. So it's not just like starting a relationship with somebody with emotional issues or or a really clingy ex or, you know, I mean, it's it's an addiction. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't feel personally qualified to give anybody advice about that. I would say like that there's there is a wealth of literature on the topic mm-hmm. and professional mm-hmm. people you can talk to. I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. I'm sure Alex and Joe know how I feel. I, I feel like one of one of our callers' clients knows how you feel. <laughs> yes, soon will. Yes. <laughs> this week, the cherry on our top is only murders in the building. Oh, I love it. A delight. It's so good. A Just delight. A fucking delight. A delight. Truly From- a, a romp. I mean, what I, so I, I feel like I'm, well, I just, I love murder mysteries. I just do. Mm-hmm. There's something inside of a murder mystery that I just am fascinated by. That's why I was fascinated by the first season of Resident Alien and then became a writer on that show. Right. So like. And an actor. Yeah, well, and an, an actor. actor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, so, so you, you had me with murder, <laughs> um, which it's weird. Cause like, I love murder mysteries, but I hate true crime. But anyway, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this kind of follows three people who live in this building and are addicted to a true crime podcast that kind of brings them together when a murder occurs in their own building. And I yes. thought that was, so I have bonded instantaneously bonded with people over podcasts before. And I'm sure yeah. we have listeners who bonded with other people because of their love for food for thought. So yes. that was like that scene in the pilot was so incredibly believable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I loved that that was the uh, adhering mechanism for their friendship. And then then they then the podcastees became the podcasters. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. you guys actually I think it was last episode that you guys told me about this show. And of course, I watched it in like two nights. And the thing that really intrigued me to begin with. Well, first of all. Obviously, I'm a podcast producer. I love podcast industry parodies because they're just, yes. they're so fucking funny. And they're just so true. They're so true all yeah. the time. And the trio of Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez, like when you guys said that was, those were the three people, I was like, what could this possibly be? You know what I mean? Like what is going, what is happening in this? But it was, it was just so fucking good. Like it was yeah. flawless. Those three, the trio together were completely flawless. A delight. Teeves and I already agreed with this. I do not know Selena Gomez's body of work particularly. Like, I really don't know her, but I'm a fan. I'm now a, a fucking stan. And she was so good. Steve Martin and Martin Short, I, for me, Martin Short was my favorite of the whole thing. He was just fucking hilarious. His delivery, yeah. the lines, like yeah. he was just, he was, he was everything. He was also everything. to me, so believable, like a sort of, yes. uh, uh, like a washed up director, like behind yes. on his bills, like made a big flop where they, this is not a spoiler where there was supposed to be a, a swimming pool and all the actors were supposed to dive in but there was a malfunction and the pool didn't make it but all the yeah. actors dove in anyway and all yeah. hurt themselves it's giving very like that Spider-Man musical where yeah, like the people Spider-Man got really badly weekend. hurt uh-huh. and it was like so expensive to make that musical so it feels like very on brand like very yeah. the, the characters are, are both completely ludicrous and also somehow believable, which I think is something that's kind of true of Martin Short and Steve Martin's comedy through the years and and what Uh makes them such a sort of almost an escapist delight, but also something that points to like ridiculous natures of of actual humans. I thought, and and I I thought it was like a really stellar trio and an absolutely stellar ensemble. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like the yes. character, like the cat guy and like the the, um, the the landlord or the head of the housing association or whoever that yeah. was. Funny. And, and, the um, therapist. The therapist, Nathan Lane and Amy Nathan Ryan. Nathan Lane. And yes. Selena's hot boyfriend. Oh, he was so hot. hot. He was so really hot. hot. And yeah. Selena's hot coach selection. Like, I loved her style. And the, the style was yes. so cool. She was yeah. So good. Yeah. 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 Of course. Also, another star. I mean, the whole thing is this apartment building that they live in, the Arconia. So, of course, I was Googling it. I was like, who? Because it's kind of similar to like, did you guys watch The Undoing? No. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> um, that's fucking weird and wrong. Okay, The Undoing with Nikki Kay and Hugh Grant. Like, that was a window into Manhattan. Like, it was like the ultra, ultra, ultra zero point whatever percent. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, the interiors and the apartments in there are things that as a New Yorker, I had never even seen. Like, it's like, this is what the view, like, they're on their balcony overlooking Central Park and like, there's not a building in sight. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like yeah. insane. And so this, this, even these apartments were a little more modest than that, but like these apartments were fucking sick. And I'm like, I just can't believe that there are New Yorkers who live, live like that in it, these apartments. It's insane. And it's like, yeah. but I looked it up and I think they're, I looked up, it's a real building. I don't know if it's called the Arconia, but to rent apartments in that building is around $8,000 a month. <laughs> well, Sting lives there. Sting, Sting cameo. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It was it, it, the it, the visual world gives a little like Wes Anderson vibes, like very yeah, symmetric, very colorful. Uh, uh-huh. And I love that each of their apartments fit their personalities so well. Yeah, you know cool. what I mean? And yeah. um, yeah, I just I, I thought it was pretty well crafted in the way in the pacing and the way in which it you know sort of revealed what the real mystery was. Yes. And I love evil Tina Fey. Yeah, she was yes, great. Yes, so good. And I guess, like, I mean, no question, right? There's going to be a season two based yeah. on that ending. Okay. Um, also, Teebs, what I literally wrote, frantically wrote this down. Like, what are other murder mystery shows that you like? Because I need more. I need more of this. This is so, it's just perfect for, like, well, my I mean, mind frame right so now. So I had, like, a, a murder mystery binge in January, which is when I started. I mean, like, but it wasn't just television shows. I can't think of a murder mystery television show. Oh, were you doing uh, podcasts? No, murder I was, just, she, I was murder watching. She wrote. Murder, she wrote. Murder, she wrote. Murder, she wrote. Is one of my favorites to go back and watch. Okay. Is it scary? Because this wasn't scary. No, 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 no. Okay, not good, scary good, 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 Not good. scary No, but, I, I, okay. so, but, okay, but I, I watched a lot of movies. So I watched like uh, Murder oh, on the Orient goodness. Express and Knives Out okay. and um, fucking Wild Things from the 90s. Uh, yeah. Just n- Knives Out was delightful. Was it? Yeah. Okay. You didn't see Knives Out? I think I started it. I, didn't, I don't think I liked it, but maybe now that I'm a it's murder really mystery good. fan, I'm going to love it. So yeah. <laughs> Just um, do an edible before, Mom. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not ready. <laughs> not again. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Our producer is Roberto the Soup personified, Alexandra De Palma. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Let me eat you. Let me eat you. Let me eat you. Uh, Stick a palm rond in you. Subscribe, mm. rate, and review us five stars on iTunes. I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S on Instagram because I deleted Twitter. 
I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And if you go to josephosmondson.com backslash newsletter, you will be the first person to receive the cover <laughs> reveal and the pre-sale link for my book, Virology, out from W.W. Norton in June 2022 for I'm Pride. I'm signing up right now. I'm signing up for that newsletter. I'm Alexandra De Palma, and my I'm at L.S. De Palma on Instagram and Twitter. And since last week... For that 24 hours that I so bravely deleted Instagram and Twitter, I'm back on both. So get at me. Get at me. I, I really don't know how y'all do it. Um, God bless you. Walk in that way with Crater. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics. Dick pics. Dick pics. To thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how... T-H-O-T. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 